It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the show for fans who know what happened they want to know why and how and the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin I switched up the intro a little bit did you notice I noticed uh not intentional just happened that way (laughs) uh Andy Herman from Cheesehead TV and Jack Wepfer from Packers Wire on the show today for a free agent extravaganza discussion uh, they have they have some very particular ideas about how this team ought to be built and how they ought to view uh, this this off season and the building process. And you know, I think we we came to some some strong conclusions together and some agreements together. I laid out for you yesterday the way that I saw uh, this team needing to pursue free agents and the way that they needed to add talent. And I think ultimately we come to a conclusion that look, this team needs blue chip talent they need top tier talent and they need value so that doesn't mean don't sign anyone that doesn't mean sign everyone that doesn't mean only give out big contracts it doesn't mean only sign small contracts it means sign good players that's what it means uh it's obviously more complex than that and so i don't want to waste any time uh before we get into it because we have a, a long conversation in front of us And uh, I don't want to shortchange anyone when it comes to having that discussion. So uh, I won't. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Scani Sports. Find his work at Cheesehead TV, the Pack-A-Day podcast, uh, which I will happily promote plenty of of room in the Packers podcast sphere for everyone. And and then Jack Wepfer from Packers Wire. He is at Jack Wepfer, makes it really easy. His writing is at... Uh, Packers Wire does a lot of really good work and, and shares a lot of it on Twitter, so you should follow him. Gentlemen, thank you for being part of the first ever Locked On Packers Trio podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it, Peter. Yeah, thank you. Good to uh, finally hear some voices. <laughs> Indeed. So, Jack, let's uh, let's start with you because uh, you wrote a, an interesting piece for Packers Wire uh, last week. I think, in fact, it was Valentine's Day. Uh, and your, your central thesis, it seemed to me was, um, the, the free agent process in 2019 is going to have a direct impact on 2020. And part of, uh, your, your built in assumption here is 2019, probably not a Super Bowl year for the Packers. Just, just sort of break down this, this logic and argument for us. Sure. So. 
When I think about the roster that they currently have right now, I just I see a lot of different holes. Um, starting with the defense, of course, you have all those different needs at outside linebacker. I think um, the cornerbacks is as much depth as you think we have there. Um, Kevin King hasn't been healthy. Um, Jair Alexander didn't play a full season. Uh, Josh Jackson is anything but a sure thing at this point. And I think we're all hoping that they improve. You know, the safety the safety position is a mess as well. Um, and, you know, even the inside linebackers, I think Oren Burks did not do what he was supposed to, even in his rookie year. Blake Martinez is a fine player. He's a nice player. I don't know, you know, how much he's going to make on the open market once he's a free agent next year. Um, and then when you look at the offensive side of the ball, the whole right side of the offensive line, I mean, Belaga, we got pretty lucky with the amount of games that he played last year, but right guard was a mess. <clears throat> and then with the uh, with all the different growth opportunities at receiver, it just seems like this roster as a whole is more than one year away, especially with a new coach. You know, even if he does a bang up job, I think who are the the two coaches who have really done something with in their first years? Like uh, I think it was George Seifert took over Walsh's unit and won the Super Bowl. Uh, Switzer in the 90s but besides that the, there's not a whole lot of precedent that exists for taking a team to the Super Bowl so the way I see it is if it's a two-year outlook you kind of want to cover the the cornerstones first get the best players you possibly can which I think for me translates to avoiding one-year contracts because you can't roll over that cash to next year and um, also making sure that the free agent guys that you do sign are going to be good for not just this next year, but, you know, well into the future and making sure that you're using that dollar effectively so that, you know, by the time 2020 strikes and you feel a little bit better about your roster, hopefully that you'll have the ammunition to go, you know, kind of like the Rams last year, you're like, hey, we need Sue. We can drop $10 million on that. No problem. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you guys both on is, Andy, to me, this feels like it dovetails beautifully with your idea of, I don't I don't want small dollar deals because small dollar deals add up to not being able to sign marquee talent for big dollar deals. Am I, am I right there? Yeah, for the most part. So I, I do think there comes a place and a time to sign those one-year deals, but I, I'm on Jack's same page where... I think there's a time and a place for that. And, you know, if you look at Green Bay right now, you know, not that Vegas knows everything, but they're tied 13th for Super Bowl odds. More importantly, when I go back and watch the tape from last year, I saw a team that wasn't one or two or maybe even three guys away from competing for a Super Bowl. I saw a team that needed, like like Jack said, about two years before they're fully ready. And if you kind of look at this team as a whole, you're looking at a team for the first time for a Packer team for a first time in a long time that really has question marks almost everywhere. And this is the first time where, you know, I think a lot of people have differences of opinion on what the exact exact question marks on Aaron Rodgers are and what can potentially solve them and how egregious they are. But for the first time in a long time, there's at least some lingering questions at the quarterback position of, was it just injury relation? Was it just scheme related? But there's at least a couple question marks there. Of course, running back Aaron Jones has been banged up from time to time. Wide receiver, you've got one you know really good star receiver in Devontae Adams, but then question marks to me. Jimmy Graham's a huge question mark. The As Jack mentioned, the right side of the line. 
I actually love the defensive line, so I'll leave that one alone. But uh, edge rusher, you've only literally, literally got one guy who I semi-trust in Kyler Fackrell. Uh, Jack mentioned all the great things about inside linebacker where there's there are more guys than answers. You know, Jack hit on a lot of it already, but uh, safety is another. I don't think there's a safety on this roster that I currently trust at the moment to start games for me. Even special teams, not just overall, but, you know, Crosby started missing field goals that he always made last year. J.K. Scott was a question mark. The long snapper is a question mark. And then you've got a brand new coaching staff, a new regime, a new everything. So if you start looking at all of that needing to kind of go well and all of those questions, and of course, not all of them, you can have a couple every team has a couple, but you've got question marks at every position to say everything's just going to turn around in one year and you're going to go from six, nine, and one to Super Bowl champions overnight. To me, that's not two or three guys away to do that. And that's why, like Jack, I'm looking maybe not this year, but the year after. And I should clarify as well. I'm not saying that they shouldn't try to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that if Aaron Rodgers is all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers again, that they can't win one. But from a general management standpoint, I'm looking to open up a bigger window in 2020 than I am in 2019, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. I want to circle back to this idea of Aaron Rodgers because, Jack, you mentioned some names uh, the 49ers teams, Cowboys teams, uh, Gary Kubiak's Bronco team just did it in year one a couple years ago with Peyton Manning. Doug Peterson did it in year two. Sean McVay took his team to the Super Bowl in year two. So I, I think that works as a, as a little bit of a double-edged sword for you because the reasons that those things happened was they had in, in four of those cases uh, that I just mentioned, including the Packers, Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. So if Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, so let's just say we have perfect information and we know Aaron Rodgers is going to be run the table Aaron Rodgers. Let's just say we know that ahead of time for either of you. But let's start with Jack. Does that change the way that you approach this offseason? You know, I think to a point, but even so, the, I mean, the, you want a certain level of blue chip players. And I think the, the defense improved. But at a certain point, you know, how many times are you one and done or two and done in the playoffs because the defense just isn't where it needs to be? Or, you know, a lot of the stuff along the offensive line, I think Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, we saw a lot of that in, inside pressure came because they weren't as stout as they needed to be. And, you know, I don't know how Andy feels about this, but I, it, it seemed like last year was the first year where I saw that he didn't have the step in his scrambling ability that he used to. And I don't know if he's ever going to be able to get that back. And that seemed to be something that he was really going to rely upon. You know, if he's going to be the run the table Rodgers, anything can happen. And I wholeheartedly agree with Andy. I don't think it's something that you uh, you necessarily shut the door on because, you know, that when that guy's on, they can win just about any game. But by the same token, um, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to approach the free agency and you're going to do it with a one to two year outlook, I, the way I equate it is, you know, don't go to the grocery store hungry. You know, don't try to patch every single hole because you need to. You know, you might have to live with some shortcomings so that you can strike when the iron's hot. And in the event that they do get hot and they look like the team, you know, they're going to have some options available. They they will have in-season uh, in trading available. And maybe the price might be a little bit higher at that point. But I think at this juncture, um, it's I think it's just a little too risky in my opinion. And for me, it's it's a very, very fine line. And when I say that I'm 
I'm hedging my bets a little bit more towards 2020 than I am towards 2019. I'm not saying sit this year out and I'm not saying don't go get great players. Like I, I am fully on the Trey Flowers to the Packers, you know, this season, regardless of what happens. And I'm willing to sign him to a longer term deal because he's a younger player who is still going to help us this year. He's going to help us in 2020. So I don't, I'm not limiting it and saying they can't go out and sign people. Um, and the, the same would go for, uh, you know, any other top end player that's going to be able to come in and help this team, not only this year, but next year as well. And, I, you know, again, if Aaron Rodgers is playing at that level, and let's go, like you said, Peter, with the assumption that he's going to, that he is Hall of Fame level Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, go out, get those guys that can absolutely help you at a high level. You've got two top 50, or excuse me, three top 50 picks, two first round picks. You have a lot of ammunition to go out and get top end talent, both in the draft and in free agency, to really shore up this team. You know, there's about 35 to 40 ish guys that already on this team that I have no issue with making the team. And that doesn't even include guys like Nick Perry and Tremont Williams, who I would move on for, you know, from. So I'm, I'm okay with the second level of depth and I'm okay with the top, you know, six to eight guys who are really talented on this team. I just really want to see that really top level added to, and I, again, I'm on board with that this year. But it's when you look a year down the road where if you do a couple things this year and you kind of keep it safe with not maybe signing some of those, you know, Mercedes Lewis and Tremont Williams and more of the fringe type player deals that are still costing you money. Those are the ones I'd be just a little bit more careful with and kind of hold on to some of that money to try to have a little bit more for next year and make a little bit more of a, a run next year. And again, it's a fine line. I'm not saying you know, sit this year out and let's just see what happens and bank on the draft and a bunch of undrafted free agents. I'm totally not saying that, but I'm just holding up a little bit more of a, a window for next year, 2020. Yeah, it's the same for me. I mean, you, you target the players you want. Like I've been on the Anthony Barr bandwagon for quite some time. I know Andy, you and I don't necessarily agree with that, but um, I think he could be a great contributor at a pretty healthy dollar amount for long term. You know, I'm looking for guys that are in or close to their physical primes. That's what scares me about the guys that are teetering past 30. You know, it, it, it could just be that they give you a good useful year in 2019 and then their play starts to teeter off, in, you know, when they're 31, 32 years old. And then all of a sudden you're paying premium dollar for suboptimal production. And that I think that's when that really hurts you because in retrospect, you can't go back and respend that money on someone else who could, really could patch some holes when you might be a little bit closer. And, and really quickly too, I just want to say that, you know, there's, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? So uh, always look for value. I think Ryan Pickett was a great example of that when Ted Thompson signed Ryan Pickett, you know, look for value. If you see a guy that's undervalued in the market, there were a lot of safeties last year that I thought Green Bay should have targeted who were undervalued. Trey Boston last year was a great example of that for a guy who signed for, I think what was it 1.5 million, something in that regards. So, you know, that those were values that I don't necessarily mind. And, and there's, there's always going to be those. And in the same token, I think sometimes there are players that can transcend just their value on the field. So, uh, you know, I, I've been on the record of saying, in hindsight, I'm not a huge fan of the Tremont Williams deal, but I also get the fact that 
he brought a lot to the table outside of just his play on the field. When you've got a, a cornerback room that is filled with, you know, rookie Josh Jackson, rookie Jair Alexander, second year guy, Kevin King, rookie Tony Brown, and so on and so forth. Having a guy like Tremont Williams in that locker room can go a really long way. So looking for those types of things too, I get and I understand and I'm on board with, but I overall, I just, you know, like to have a little bit of caution with those mid-level deals that don't always amount to a whole lot on the field. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. I think that is a really good point that you just made because I just wrote about Tremont Williams and and argued that the Packers should probably move on from him given the money that that they can save in doing that. And I think it's a good example of the fears that you guys have. And that is when you look at the offseason that the Packers had last year, there was a lot of excitement around the players that were signed. Muhammad Wilkerson on a quasi-prove-it deal, and Tremont Williams on what seemed like a little bit of a high-money deal given the, the the player he was, but for a team that desperately needed defensive backs, it made some sense. Byron Bell at the time seemed like a, a veteran that could come in and help your team, and those didn't work. They didn't actually pan out. In some ways, it seems like what you're, you're both saying is if you're going to sign someone... I mean, always the, the the point is sign a good player, right? I mean, then no one is going to say sign a bad player. 
but it's don't overpay for a player because you have a hole in a particular location unless you think that person over the the duration of their contract can be worthy of the money that they're being given. It sounds like you're saying that the Tremont William deals don't don't sign those. And really what this comes down to is just sign good players to good contracts, which is always true. But the the not going all in and Jack, you 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 wrote about that. The, the, these short money deals can be crippling when you give more money to a player than they're really worth just to fill a need. Yeah, and that's what I worry about. You know, if you, it's there could be so many uh, perceived potholes on the roster that you know you feel the urgency to you know throw something in there, throw money at the problem, and hopefully it solves itself. And if it doesn't. You know, unlike perhaps like a low round draft pick or something like that, you know, you've you've spent some financial resources that you can't get back and you couldn't package together with something and get a better player down the road. Um, and that that's essentially what I worry about. And I think that if you you're so worried about checking boxes and filling out the depth chart more so than finding good players. And like you said, it really does come down to finding good players on good contracts. But if you get so worried about checking those boxes, uh, you end up with a pretty thin roster. You know, and I think uh, something I wrote about a little bit earlier than this, a lot of this is compounded by the fact that, you know, what really has hurt Green Bay when we look at their roster is the fact that they've had a lot of these transition plans. You know, the Jason Spriggs of the world, the Josh Jones of the world that were supposed to come in and kind of ease the the veterans as they went on their way and, and kind of step into, into contributing roles. And they just haven't really hit those. So now we're stuck with a, a significant amount of roster holes and an aging Aaron Rodgers. And I worry that if we're just a little too impatient, it could end up, you know, sending the Packers into what could just be football purgatory where you're constantly chasing that, but you're always a little handicapped by the amount of resources you have available to you. Yeah. And, and one more note too, just kind of going back. And, and when I said earlier about reviewing the tape and, and what green Bay was missing and, and how I, I didn't see them adding up to a Super Bowl team this year. The reason I say that is there, there weren't enough guys that I saw playing at a really, really high level that they could go in and count on on a down in and down out basis. And that was really where I felt this team was lacking. So when we were kind of talking about it on Twitter, Peter, I'm I'm not so concerned about this guy, you know, this team trying to fill some holes here and there that that, that they have you know, that are currently holes or flaws in the team. What I'm really looking for is to add an influx of top end talent. And I I would rather be more aggressive in going after that top end talent. Cause I have eight guys that I, again, I really, really like on this team. I have two tiers. There's the top tier, which is uh, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Devonte Adams, and Aaron Rodgers, of course. And then the next tier of guys, which is uh, Mike Daniels and Jair Alexander, Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones. So uh, there's, you know, eight guys total that I really, really like. And after that, to me, there's a, a fairly big decrease on that next level of player. So uh, I'm looking to add some top end guys, you know, pro football focus isn't perfect, but they had 14 guys. Uh, I believe it was 14 uh, that were in the top 15 
uh, by Pro Football Focus. Excuse me, 11 guys in the top 15 at their respective positions by Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, Green Bay at the same level uh, had only six guys in the top 15 in their respective positions. And again, that was something that I saw on tape. So I'm just looking to add those really high-end players that you can count in, uh, count on down in and down out and really are going to be difference makers on the field. And I think that's why Green Bay str- struggled to generate big plays on offense. And I think it's why they really struggled to get turnovers and generate big plays on defense is just because they didn't, they had a lack of big time playmakers that they could count on, on a, any sort of consistent basis. What's really interesting about this discussion is for years under Ted Thompson, the knock was he was not filling the roster on the margins. He wasn't signing Mercedes Lewis. He wasn't signing Bashad Breland during the season. He wasn't bringing in and, and taking flyers on Natrell Jamerson or Ibrahim Campbell. And you guys are saying that was that was more or less a, a correct way to view this in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's it's interesting because for so long with Ted Thompson, it was like you said, it was they were just missing two or three guys. And it was frustrating because, it, like you said, it's it's one or two mediocre guys just to plug some holes here and there. And at that, that's the time to totally go out and do that and sign those one year deals, you know, even if you have to overspend a little bit. Um, but now it's to the point and kind of at the end of the Ted Thompson regime where Jack mentioned earlier, where they had kind of these transition plans with the Jason Spriggs and the Josh Joneses of the world, and they didn't really turn out the way that they were expected to. And now you're kind of lacking that that top end talent at these main positions that you really, really need, which is what really forced them to go in a different direction, both in a general manager sense, but with going after more aggressive free agents like your Muhammad Wilkerson, your Jimmy Graham, so on and so forth. And uh, now it's totally flipped on its head. Like you said, they're they're filling those those little gaps, but they lack the top end talent. And that was kind of the the issue with the last few years of that Ted Thompson era. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that, Andy, because you really hit everything on the head that I was going to say. That you used the word inverse there. I was just going to say the you know the, the roster started to atrophy, and we, where you needed to add more of the blue and the red chip players, you were adding you know those filler pieces. And it just was, it wasn't really making the difference. You were adding depth, but you weren't really adding talent. You weren't moving the needle per se. So, you know, and I'll admit I was 100% wrong because I was all there, you know, with, you know, I wasn't necessarily esteemed about the uh, Jimmy Graham signing last year, but I, you know, those marginal difference players, because I I had a much higher uh, perspective on what that roster could do after, after last season. And then we kind of came in there and those guys didn't really pan out. And then, you know, you were, we're sitting in a pretty good spot with 40 million in cap space and two first round picks. But even so, I, it just seems like there's, there's a lack of those guys that you really need to uh, make a deep run. How much of this is, is, is colored by what happened the last two seasons. And I, I mean, specifically the failures of Mike McCarthy to get Brett Hundley prepared to play on the field, the failures that ultimately cost him his job in 2018, the injuries to Aaron Rodgers and and sort of the the disarray that this team was in, you know, if you go back to 2016, obviously the first half of that season was suboptimal, but the second half, that was the team that we thought they would be going into the year. It was the team that that we thought they would be in the beginning of 2017, and they they kind of were. Um, Aaron Rodgers' stats were were not otherworldly, but they came back to win some some tough games. That Cowboys game on the road. They were they were starting, it seemed like, to hit their stride. If if they let's say they move on from from Mike McCarthy after 2016, 
I guess I just wonder if his failings and the failings of Dom Capers before Mike Patton are really coloring the opinion here of the quality of this team, or at least the ceiling and floor of this team with Aaron Rodgers back to being Aaron Rodgers. I, th- I think that's the hope is that they are going to be able to cure a lot of the you know ailments of the last couple of years by coming in with a new regime and in that it's hopefully not Aaron Rodgers and that it's hopefully not that the talent's not there and under a new system with new ideas and new energy and um, all of that, that they are going to be able to come out and play at a much higher level. So I, I that would be awesome if that were the case. And it, it could be, we, we just don't know. I think that's what really makes this off season so much fun on so many different levels is they have so many opportunities to improve this team from free agency to three top 50 picks to just how this new coaching staff coaches all these players up. And hopefully we get some year two jumps from some of the guys that Gutekunst drafted last year that I know a lot of us were very high on. So there's so many opportunities to improve. And if they can hit on a majority of them, we've seen teams turn around very, very quickly. And I think the, the great part is, is there's not a ton that falls off in 2020 that you're super concerned about. So there could be a window if they do turn this around very quickly. And if Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff are who we hope they could be. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's pretty much right. I, I, I just, my biggest fear is that some of the habits that Rodgers developed in 2015 and, you know, became otherworldly in 2016, got hurt in 2017, was okay. That, and just really bad in in 2018 for Rodgers standards just doesn't carry over. Um, you know, a, a re- revamp run game, better defense, all that stuff, you know, could go a long way. Um, but what we really, really need to see on this team is some second year jumps from players like Josh Jackson and Oren Burks. And if we're, you know, last few years, there just hasn't been many of those second year jumps from those uh, second day players that really would enrich this roster and make them better. That's why I just kind of think back and, you know, and I can hope. But uh, the, the cynic in me is it wants to play it a little more conservatively this time around. And, and of course, it, it all comes down to Aaron Rodgers, too. If, if he's, mm-hmm. you know, even really, really good, but no longer great, it makes everyone's job a whole heck of a lot harder. So, you know, the hope, of course, is that he, I even say, you know, I struggle to say bounce back because it's not like he was terrible. But, uh, you know, if, if he can play up to that same level and that same standard, it just you know, overcome so many different issues on a team because he can carry so much individually. So that that's what's going to be, again, so much fun to keep an eye on is just every little minute detail this offseason. But the biggest of all of it is probably just how well Aaron Rodgers can play in this new offense. Well, and, and we have to wrap up, but it does seem like when you're when you're advocating for this blue chip talent, and you're advocating, and obviously we saw and and have a coaching change. Part of it is so that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be an Avengers character. He doesn't have to wear the cape. He can be just really, really good. Tom Brady is not Hall of Fame 2007 Tom Brady every week and they still win football games. Drew Brees is not 2010, 2011 Drew Brees every week and they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl. The point of adding talent around Rodgers is to make his life easier. And so from that perspective, I totally understand what you guys are saying. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being a part of uh, the Locked on Packers first ever Love it. trio podcast. Woo! Uh, Andy, where let's start with you. Where can where can my listeners uh, get more of the work that you do? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Uh, of course, your rival podcast, the Packaday Podcast, and uh, the uh, I'm a writer on Cheesehead TV as well. So you can find me in those three spots. We're cutting that part out, Jack. <laughs> you can find me at Twitter at Jack Webfer. That's my name, and uh, you can find my writing at Packers Wire. Terrific. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Jack and Andy for joining the show. That was fun. And uh, maybe something we'll do again in the future. Uh, you know, I think it was it was uh, basically an extension of a conversation we had and started on Twitter. And Andy and I got into it again. And then Jack jumped in and I was like, OK, this is this is too good. We have to bring this onto the podcast and, and have that discussion here. So uh, we're not going to force it. We're not going to just do it just to do it. But if there are other opportunities in the future to have these kinds of discussions and, and maybe we do it where we we have people with more oppose, opposing viewpoints square off a little bit and and have me moderate it a little bit, that would be fun, too. I think a lot of a lot of interesting ways we can use this platform and I'm, I'm going to keep trying to use it in interesting ways to keep you guys engaged through the off season. The combine starts next week, and so we're gonna we're gonna have uh, discussions about that. Some guests on to talk about it. Players that you should be keeping an eye on. Players that the Packers are potentially interested in. And as we as we get closer to free agency, Jason Hershorn is gonna be on next week to talk about that. And there's there's decisions to be made for the Packers. Nick Perry, Tremont Williams. I wrote about. I mentioned it in our discussion. Tremont Williams is a candidate to be cut this offseason, and I think it would make sense to do that. That's something that we can talk about in a coming show. So all of that and a lot more, remember, four days a week in the offseason, Monday through Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter. You'll never miss a show if you follow us on Twitter because we tweet them out multiple times to make sure you never miss one. You know what would be the easier way to never miss one? Subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes, make sure they get right to your phone, and then you'll always have them. They'll be there for you when you want them, and that's the beauty of on-demand radio. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. Send me your combine and free agent questions, and we'll, we'll do a show next week dedicated to them. 920-341-3775, so you can stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NHL team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.